Hi, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Speaking the Unspoken. Here today, we have myself, Hannah, and Oriana, joined by a special guest, a police officer from Brooklyn, New York. Having had 20-plus years of experience in the workforce, this officer is joining us to offer his unique perspective on the funded police movement being both an African-American man and a police officer in a large city. Thanks for that, Oriana. Welcome, officer. Thank you so much for offering your time to come and speak with us today. We'd like to start by asking you, what was your first impression of the defund the police movement? I, I believed uh, that they should uh, not Black Lives Matter, but if they, they're talking about defund the police. What, what does that mean? Take mm-hmm. money away from the police department. So, for example, if the the just trying to figure out if the budget is a hundred million, are you going to take ten million away? Uh, where is that ten million going to go? Um, into the community, whatever. Uh, I heard that Camden, uh, thank you, has a, you missing one? Uh, Camden has a, had a program. They, I don't know if you know, uh, Camden uh, disbanded the whole police department uh, based on uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. your, your former governor, Crispy, Crispy, I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know how, I don't know, they, 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 not close the whole department. They got rid of it. Mm-hmm. People who've been working there for years, and I hear what they have now. I, I, this is not confirmed. That somebody was talking to somebody today. Uh, they ha- they won high praises from uh, Obama's administration. They're very co- much com- uh, community involved, and they won high praises for that. So you, you got to reach out to the community and see what is they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Brooklyn, and most mm-hmm. of the people in in the inner city that I know. Nobody wants to defund the police. Maybe money could go in other directions or whatever the case is, but. uh... Thank you for answering that. Do you believe that there will be benefits to reallocating the police funds to community organizations and or programs? Yeah, I'm sure they they would be. I mean, I I think if they find a way to balance it, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I just don't think you could take money away and say, we're going to defund the police. So, like a lot of a lot of around the country, quote unquote, they defunded the police. Uh, I think New York was really hit hard because of the changes with the Senate or whatever. Uh, to begin with, um, there, there was a lot of changes where people would make bail, and I understand it with the whole Rikers thing. But yet, and still, uh, there was a lot of loopholes, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, issues out there. Thank you so much, officer. Based on that, we are curious if you find the police department budget appropriate. Do you think it should be increased, decreased, or remain the same, and why? I think the resources, well, budget-wise, I think it should remain the same. Okay. But I think it's how you use your resources. Thank you once again. Our last question is, do you think police officers are overworked? Um, I'm a little different. Again, uh, I because of what I do, mm-hmm. I would say I am not. Um, again, I when I uh, I was on military orders for three months. Yes. During that time, I am well. I'm sure people were overworked. Even people uh, such as myself. Uh, all I think all regular days off were canceled. Uh, they were on twelve-hour tours. I mean, in general, a lot of police officers are overworked 
not all the time, but every so often, uh, dare I say, we are accustomed to it and we do it. But I think during that time with all the protests, um, I think people definitely were overworked. Do you think other organizations would be more equipped to deal with specific instances? So they, so you're saying the statement is defund the police, right? Yes. Okay. So you're taking Fogman ten million away. So that ten million goes into somewhere else. Yes. What's it going to? Um, if you got social workers going into that situation, they have to be trained. So yes. one of the problems is with New York City in general, mm-hmm. so big. And there's so many people. So, for example, for example, if you got to train these social workers for how, how many of them are there, you have to give them training. That training takes time. It takes money. It takes whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the police department, you retrain people. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, de-escalation training. Yes. Uh-huh. One one of the problems with training is that there's training, but sometimes the most important thing is you check the box. What I mean by that, you sign that sheet saying you were here. Once you sign that sheet or you check the box, you were there and you're responsible for that training. You're responsible for that knowledge, whatever they gave you, whether you paid attention or not. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's more, in general, it's more important for the agencies to say, oh, these people were trained on this day. So for argument's sake, uh, the situation in in Atlanta with the two young people, I spoke to someone today who's very intimate with the the situation. Mm -hmm. And she told me, uh, being in Atlanta, they have more information than me. She said that um, one of the guys who lost his job had just had de-escalation training two weeks prior. How did that work? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it didn't work. Um, just to speak on that situation a little bit, she also informed me that one of the reasons the kids drove off was that they were they were hearing different commands. One command was saying, stop, to roll down the window. The other one was saying, get out of here. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told. I, I didn't, you know, that's not verified, but that's what, someone told me who was closer to the situation than I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of going off of that um, whole um, de-escalation, do you believe that the de-escalation training, at least in New York, or the ones that you experience, is effective? It can be. Sometimes it can be. Um, um, I really don't know what it looks like. I haven't had it. Mm-hmm. Um but one of the things that comes with that is police officers' mentality. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues in New York City is the majority of cops don't live in New York City. I heard, I heard, I'm not verify, that they changed that starting with uh, the next academy class. Uh, some, somewhere along the line, they have to live with, within the city, the five boroughs. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I've been saying that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So that's a little history. Um, back in the 60s, if you worked for the city, you had to live within the city. Right? And yeah. at some point they changed it. And the reason I, I, they changed it was a lot of police officers were moving to outer boroughs. They were moving to Long Island, 
upstate, and they will move into um, Staten Island. And Staten Island is not an issue. Well, it's New York City, but, you know, we don't really consider New York City. So they changed the law that police officers could live in those, uh, not outer boroughs, but they can live in certain counties outside of New York City. And I believe that's that's where a lot of the problem comes in because a lot of cops have that mentality, white police officers that, well, not even not just white, some of them minorities also, that they come into the city and they to save the world and then they go back out to the suburbs where they live. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. they not against us, but you know, that that's where they live. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a lot of cops um, are still very, living very, dare I say, uh, segregated neighborhoods. Um, some, some do. I mean, I'm not saying it's intentional, but if I go to purchase a house in some neighborhoods, I probably wouldn't uh, be successful. You know? And so, for example, 9 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 9 11 happened, I, I remember it was. Uh, somewhere upstate where the whole block or whatever, there was a lot of firefighters lived on that block. And like maybe half the block, the, the males died in, in 9-11. Oh, wow. Yes, there's firefighters. But I mean, it's the same thing for New York City cops as far as living certain places. Thanks again. We just wanted to say we appreciate you taking the time to sit down and speak with us today. And we hope you have a great day. And thank you so much again for your time. I'm really glad he was able to come on today because he offered a very interesting perspective that I didn't expect. I thought he would elaborate on his conflict of roles as an African-American man and a police officer. But his response is very centered around law enforcement. You know, a lot of what he said reminded me of a report written by a Princeton professor, Patrick Starkey. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, I mean, the similarities between the responses of the two men are pretty prominent. In his piece, Why Do We Need the Police?, Starkey also argues that police departments should not be defunded because it would increase violence. He said this idea is supported by research, specifically hotspot policing experiments, in which violent crime reduces when police are brought to an area for reasons unrelated to crime. However, Sharkey also mentions that community organizations could be very effective in reducing crime if they're given the same amount of resources as police departments. Instead of reallocating the police funds, Sharkey believes that community organizations should be funded by philanthropists and foundations. My question is, are foundations and philanthropists willing to donate about $600 million annually for these community nonprofits? Honestly, I'm not too sure. What do you think? Where do you think these organizations could get their funding from? Yeah, great questions. I was reading a piece by Rayshawn Ray the other day, and he was discussing this idea of restructuring civil payouts. It makes so much sense. So basically, Right now, civil payouts are being funded by taxpayer dollars, which takes away money from these places and leads to a lack of accountability of these police officers, or bad apples, as Ray says. Instead, he poses that civil payouts be funded by police insurance, which will leave taxpayer dollars to be invested in the surrounding communities, and it will allow the police departments to easily identify these bad apples and have justification in firing them, seeing as they will be costing the department so much money. 
All in all, it will reduce police violence and better the surrounding communities. It seems like a win-win to me. And I completely agree, Hannah. It's just that there is a common thread that these nonprofit and community organizations would reduce crime waste, which is great. But when it comes to discussing the sources of these funds, we aren't all on the same page. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the different ideas of where the money should come from. The idea of restructuring civil payouts that Ray posed isn't radical and it's actually very feasible. Other professions are structured this way, like doctors in the case of malpractice lawsuits. So I truly believe that police should be held accountable in the same light. There are so many benefits to it. People think the defund the, defund the police movement is a radical idea to abolish the police, but really the name is just misleading, seeing as the ideas behind the movement are actually being used in other professions. Exactly. It's so easy for people to see the name and misinterpret its purpose. As you just said, the followers don't want to abolish the police. Instead, they believe that police department funds should be reallocated to support community organizations whose work would decrease crime rates as well. This would also hold police departments responsible for the damage that police brutality has caused thus far to communities, to families, to individuals. It is time to initiate change. So whether or not you respect the name of the movement, it has good intentions. This is why it is so important to do research before you make your final conclusion. You know, just to stay well-informed. Exactly, Oriana. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We leave you today encouraging you all to do your own research on the movement, to limit the misconceptions and understand the meaning behind this battle cry. And remember, keep speaking about the unspoken. Bye. Bye. Tune in next week for another episode of Speaking the Unspoken with Hannah and Oriana, where we will discuss another uncomfortable yet very necessary conversation.